This is the Green Strength Podcast with Lucius Tyree the Fourth, where the mission is building strength, enhancing performance, and uplifting consciousness. So tune in with the mind, body, and spirit, and let's get moving. Yeah, his smash, like well, all of his passing, his cross knee is gosh. But uh, yeah, all of his passing is ridiculous, but that smash pass. The way he can like spread and distribute his, his weight, mm-hmm. so like a blanket, so horizontal, just everywhere. You yeah. know, it covers everything. Yeah, and you're like, there's no escape. It was a. It was one of those. You know, they say sometimes you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail. Last night was a nail night for sure. But what's What's the worst position that you've been put into? Just like that one that that gave you the most fear. You know what I mean? Well even a bad way to put it because like for me like honestly the some of the worst positions could be like dallas's crucifix mm. you know like in a live role like if it gets you in that crucifix it's just like well, this is terrible <laughs> and then because you know who it is and it's dallas so then it's even more terrible yeah i mean obviously anything professor Raphael and shanji and victor <laughs> those guys do but there are people that have just things and it's just like i oh god i can never let that happen again mm-hmm. i mean you could like go down the list of different people and yeah dallas is a lot of them because neon <laughs> belly is one of them too um but yeah that's it's interesting how everybody can create their own style and they're they're like everybody's style can be so unique and different than the other person's but it can be just as deadly and i don't know that's that's the incredible part of like art yeah that yeah i mean i think it is cool how people in all different aspects but if you're looking at jujitsu especially at our academy rafael talks about this because he's got such a diverse background of different styles and teaches all different things and he's gone through so many different iterations that everybody Everybody's passing is pretty similar, but their their guard can be very different. Everybody's got the things that they're kind of kind of known for and stuff, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, it's real interesting. Like you, I think of like Stephen Vickers, like his daily Hewa game is super on point. It's really good, you know. It's like that's what I think of when I think about him. Is like this killer daily Hewa game, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't know. You go again. You could go down the list of just a lot of different people. You felt just, Felipe's De La Hiva? Uh I have you seen that thing? Yes, because he shoots it like a missile. Yeah, he gets swings like out there like a little child, and then shoots and climbs himself up. It's just like devastating. Devastating. Yeah. yeah, it's like that in in here too. I think of uh, Long that comes in. Yeah, and you see his like he's taken the mace and now the rope and turn that into such an art form like he's gone so deep into that that you're just like i'm not capable of doing like and i don't and maybe that's not for me right like i'm like it's awesome to see like oh that'd be cool to do but you also then have to think about the hours that he's spent studying that kind of thing you know well there's no and what's cool about that stuff is there's, there's there's pieces of systems but there's no system behind that like People will look at that and, hey, is Long certified in this or does he follow this person? It's like, no, he's been inspired probably by all of those people. Um, but 
that's like he's created his own thing and his own system of uh of movement what's really what's most impressive about him is the way that i've watched him recently integrate his resistance training um because really coming up here and being able to play on on those saturdays is kind of the only time he gets to touch those things so it's kind of it's like all right well there's my one day of my resistance training where I'm going to goblet squat and do bridges and do pull-ups and, and do different things. Um, but watching the way he integrates his warm-up, his, his movement prep with his rope to his movement to what all the choices he just makes. Um, he's The most impressive thing, honestly, is how mature all those choices are. He doesn't make a bad choice really across the board. I mean, with volume, intensity, anything, he does everything. He picks only what works for him and uh, and what he enjoys or what he needs. And when it's something he needs, he does it 110%. Like he does it well. So I don't know. It's, it's awesome to watch somebody like just do that. Yeah. Just be self-sufficient. Do you think some... Okay, so how much plays into... So we can talk about different, you know, systems and protocols and different things people could do. Like these are good movement patterns and these are the kinds of exercises you should be doing. How, like just sort of your thoughts on at some point, I guess the idea of like either you got to crawl before you can walk Mm -hmm. or you got to learn the rules before you can break them. Because I look at like, if we keep talking about long and the way that he, has turned that mace into like an artistic flow that is just beyond just about basically all the rest of us that come in here. Right. Because he's, he's mastered the fundamentals. He has learned the rules and now he gets to break them a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think do you kind of see that across all different aspects of, of, of training. Like we, we talk about all these rules and, and well, not necessarily rules, but like, Okay, let's look at this is a specific raw case and a perfect example. What what he demonstrates is somebody like a lot of people might be familiar with uh, Leo Savage, mm-hmm. you know, on Instagram. They use the mace as medicine. Like it is 110% medicine. And it just like their passion to explore and explore and explore daily. Like there's never a a moment where they're not enjoying it. There's never a moment where they want to put it down. Like it consumes them. So that level of mastery, that's kind of what we've been talking about a lot recently. Like the more consumed you are of something and the more you're just down to invest and dissect and and break down and put time and time. And yes, he, it is all the basics. Like he checks all of his boxes all the time. That's exactly what I was talking about is impressive with all the choices he makes. I watch him all the time and he never makes bad choices in sequence of like execution or an order of his, his day, his time from, from first movement, first breath to last stretch, last breath. And, um, I don't know. That's it's, what's cool about that is we're talking about somebody who's just been is a young kid who's has become a young man now but has been a part of like just been in my gym like he's never really been a part of the gym he's always been my friend and and there in the gym and 
he's used the gym in so many different aspects to build him up. And then like we've been talking about to find it, we build and we use the gym, we find these extremes and they give us so much value and hope. But then ultimately when our passion's not there, they kind of crash down. It's like, where do we go next? I've given everything to this. And now it's just like, I'm here. But then you keep searching. It's movement. It's medicine. Somewhere in this world of movement arts, I'm going to find what I need. And he did. And so, I don't know. That probably didn't answer the question at all. But he, he doesn't break any rules. And I think that is exactly why he can do what he can do. And that's, that's what I always have to take back, which is what, that's what physical therapy is, right? It's when you went to, to, to Dr. Scott Carlin there, like it's just step A, step B, step C. And I got to see you all the way through this process. And it helps so much more that you and I have a conversation every time you can tell me about your homework. You can tell me about where you're feeling things different. And then that just expedites the the efficiency of everything. Yeah. It's just, I like the way you put that of always making the right decisions and doing things in the right way, making smart decisions about how am I exercising today? What am I doing today? Putting together whatever your program is, gauging how you feel and always assessing that and making right decisions. We're just like children, you know? (laughs) I mean, in, in a sense, it's like, and I still like to sneak out a little bit. I still stay past curfew. I still try to try to say I'm staying over at Timmy's so that I can go over here and go to the party. And that's where it gets me in trouble. And um, whenever I have to clean that stuff up, it's just I have to assess it and start making better choices. Um, and they're just basic choices always. It's yeah. always a, a basic choice. But I think it's a beautiful thing is that there's different ways to do these things. Right. And yeah. people do get caught up in the, there's only one right way. Or like if when we talk about jujitsu, like there's a lot of different ways to do jujitsu, right? Everybody has a little bit different style, a little bit different game. There are some foundational things that everybody should be doing, but then there's a lot of self exploration. What works for me? What do I enjoy doing? Like some of my favorite things to do aren't necessarily like the optimal things to do if you want to go beat everybody, right? Like maybe you could come up with sort of a, this is what an optimized game would look like Mm -hmm. in today's environment. Maybe we could say the same thing about the gym, right? Okay. If you want to be as strong as you possibly can, perhaps we could come up with something that looks pretty darn close to an perfectly optimal program in a vacuum, Mm -hmm. but there's no... There's no context there. There's no individualization. There's no, are you going to enjoy that? Are you going to feel good about that? I mean, there's just so many different aspects of that self-exploration. So, so think about that. That's a good way of looking at it of people out there who like, when I used to, to lift the way I did when I followed a lot of programs, like real strength training, I guess, um, maybe you follow like a, a, a 12 week program or an eight week block of something. And then you switch it to, to something else. Right. So really the big thing you got to like, look at here is like, where is somebody like assessing and learning actually what's going on in each one of these blocks. And 
addressing those weaknesses, addressing those, you know, weak points, learning like to build better technique. Those are the things that have to come into play. And a lot of times we can get success over and over if we just continue to follow programs. Like we start something, the program was designed to take us from A to Z. That, that to where it's, you know, that was hopefully the, the efficiency and the effectiveness of the program. Somebody was thinking logically. So you apply it. And even if you kind of screw it up a little bit, you have some sort of success. Now, there's bad things that that happen in this, like the context of it is if you're active, you could potentially lose weight. So, yeah, you could be doing shit exercise, but you could be losing weight. So now we've got to like argue about this or I've got to educate. But when people when people just go from one thing to the next and they don't like slow down and get inside that program and actually figure it out and learn about their movement and be strict and make better choices within themselves. There's no like, it's very hard once you hit that roadblock of like finding where to go. How do I add more variables? You know, there's nothing to add upon because you haven't scaled back and earned the right to add upon. Oh man, that's, it's just, it's, I don't know. And it's weird because like, like I just said, it's, it's weird to think that everything can have results Mm -hmm. and even getting in there and training like an idiot can, can give you a lot of response, but what's like, what's appropriate? What's, you know, what's going to serve you long-term? I think, um, there's a book I'm going to have to read it first and I can't remember the title, so I'm not going to say it, but, uh, I love what it's talking about. And it's talking about like building a revolution in strength training. And I think that, that the industry is starting to shift that way. Um, and let's just get back to like the eighties and the late seventies, early eighties, like when aerobics was the craze. And we have pretty much been on this, like as far as the majority of regular people out there, the thing they know with like diet and exercise and stuff is cardio. And the thing that is sold in the industry is really about like how many calories can, like how many calories did you burn in this activity? Like, let's see these numbers go up, you know? So then you start, you know, searching for things that, that provide the most caloric burn in the moment. And that fuels you. And, and that can, that can lead down to a number of things. You could be a high performer and somebody with a little bit of horsepower. And that could, that could mean like in order, if you're addicted to, to getting that caloric burn and to do work all the time, well, then you're just going to be that high burner that's going to burn out over time that we've seen in CrossFit, you know, for many years. Um, but if you're not somebody very fit, like, you, where like you can't put the output over time, you know, to keep going anywhere. So, but it's just cardio is the main thing that like sells. And what we do is we do this circuit training and things like that, which is really just like cardiovascular exercise because we're not strength training. We're not actually like slowing down, taking something, having it, you know, doing it with intention and creating an adaptation, an adaptation that might in the window of doing it, not be as effective calorically as cardio and stuff, but over time, 
the adaptations, the response are so much greater. And, you know, like, let's just think about that from a cardio is about becoming efficient. So the body wants and over time starts to figure out how to burn and save energy and become more efficient as you're doing your A to B. As you become more efficient, the only way to increase your stimulus is to what? Change duration or change intensity? So like one of those two are going to keep going. Where are you going to keep going with this over time? You know, you can only ride your bike so far. You can only run so, so long and so fast. Now you can lose weight. You start a diet with that and you're at a caloric deficit. You can lose a lot of weight, but studies will show you that you're going to lose a heck of a lot of muscle too. Almost like a half and half type value there. So people lose all this weight and then they end up skinny fat, so to say, or the same amount of body fat, but at a much skinnier version or lighter version of themselves. Now it's even harder because you realize you need some muscle. You need some strength. It's very hard to get now because you've plummeted your metabolism. You've plummeted your hormonal you know, profile with this, what's happened here. You add in an appropriate small amount of strength training and we change an entire stimulus. We force the body in a challenged, stressful way to have to adapt and grow and build tissue, which requires us to burn and utilize calories at a much more efficient and faster rate. So we actually need more fuel and we start to build this lean muscle that so that basically boosts all of our good hormones like um, testosterone, um, growth hormone, all those sort of things. We Insulin sensitivity now is changed. I mean, all these things are, are in scientific studies and they're out there all over the place. But it's strength training builds upon and brings upon this positivity, this, this armor of not only meat protection, but longevity protection. And not that cardio is bad at all. Like we, we need cardiovascular, your health, but when you're looking at losing weight, when you're looking at getting in better shape, it, you've got to start to, to make sure that you're strength training to preserve that muscle, keep that muscle and use cardio appropriately, you know, with your diet, of course, but so the, the, the answer for somebody is not to go run six days a week, go whatever. I mean, you know what's going to happen if yeah. you start to live that lifestyle and you want to become a runner. I mean, I, dude, I did, I did that. Like I, I ran that marathon at 153 pounds. Mm-hmm. And when, when, when I say that, people look at me like I'm crazy. Because for those who don't know, when I started, did a 5K, I was like 194 pounds. When I did my first 5K, didn't know what the hell I was doing. But I was determined set this path, ended up running the the Chicago marathon at 153 pounds. But all I did was run. I I did what I just described there. I withered away down into a a place that it took strength training to revitalize my body. And it didn't take away my cardio. My cardio is like my work capacity is the biggest strength I have today. And I owe that to that giant base of of aerobic work that i did now i've added strength to that and now i have 
strength cardio, basically. The best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, the best of both worlds. So, okay, some some questions. Yeah. Um, if somebody then were to say somebody, I mean, they like to do cardio, right? They yeah. like to run, they like to bike, swim, whatever. Um, but they need to build in that weight training. So how many days a week should you weight train if you want to, well, maybe there's two things. There's the aspect of for somebody who wants to have that focus on a more cardio based sport, like they want to be a marathon runner. Okay. But we're saying, but you still need to build in strength training to preserve muscle tone and, and, and musculature, but it also, it'll help you for somebody who, how many days a week should they be weight training if they want to maximize muscle gain? So maybe that's like two different answers. Well, I don't know. Uh, let's do it this way. I think that three days is the gold standard. Okay. If we're looking at um, an Olympic level runner or, or, you know, athlete, then maybe in season, it's going to be like two to three days and maybe off season, it's going to be like three to four. So we can always average around that three. If there's somebody looking to gain muscle, what I would say first is, Block A, your first part of your, your journey here, go three days and smash it. Doesn't mean we're not doing anything on the other days. That can be days that we incorporate some light cardiovascular activity or something. There were days that we're working on our mobility and all the above or just technique practice, whatever. But I would say go three days and that gives you a very valuable um, play at first. And that's just to go four days, <laughs> you know, so start, always try to start as small as you can and get as most out of it. It's much better than starting is starting at five or six days, then getting a little burnt out and slowly pulling back. But then you still don't know, like, where was it? Was it the four day mark? Was it when I had to go down to three days? Was it five days? So it's better to kind of start low, see if you can add some muscle at three days if you're, you know, you kind of roadblock there, add the fourth day in, bam, you know, then we go on that. Now, that's when there's a fun world of play in which could be another day, could be another just a second day of training. But now you're looking at adding just a little bit more in. So I'd say the sweet spot on resistance training should be three days a week pretty much for everybody. So. If somebody you mentioned, okay, maybe they hit a little bit of a roadblock, they're not quite getting the results they want. So then we may look at adding an extra day or making some tweaks. Um, obviously, you have to give it some time for yeah. it to work. So say you have somebody who's not necessarily even just brand new. Okay, but maybe they've they've been active, but less organized, they haven't really had a structured plan. So they're mm -hmm. going to start a structured plan. Like how long do they need to give it before they really start to even think about this idea of, well, I'm not getting any results because like one week isn't going to do it. One month isn't going to do it. So like, what's your time frame to really gauge of like, okay, let's try this plan out and let's do it for X amount of time. And then we can assess what kind of results are we getting? Like, what's your time frame for looking for results? Uh, man. I think ultimately 16 weeks should be somebody's like that's, but that's kind of me being conservative there. Um, 12 to 16 weeks would be my answer there. Um, I, I think people just, because a lot of like what I've learned and what always happens is like, we need to treat our first blocks in something like as true skill development. It doesn't mean we're going light and stuff. It just means like, 
Okay, say that I give you a work, a bench press workout, and I say we're going to do this three times, once a week for three weeks, and then we're going to switch it up. Like, you can go hard at it all three weeks, and then we can rotate exercises, and now, like, we kind of save ourselves. But what if you just really took that first week, saved a little in the tank, but really found where you were, worked on your, you know, okay, felt, I know this is going to be the part where when that weight gets a little bit more sticky, a little bit more heavy, this could be the area. Second week, you come in and you smash week one because you have confidence and you've practiced it. Third week, let's get something. Like that's just a more efficient way of training. That's, that's the way better coaches train people when they're doing it privately or something like when people or the best lifters in the world, that's how they, they train that that's egoless training there. That's smart training, good choices. And so that's kind of like the recommendation of days. It's like, man, pick your three to four days, get your meat and potatoes, see how it starts working slowly, add in things slowly over time. But we're talking about two different people. The person that's going to give 16 weeks to something is the person that is passionate and has a little bit of intention into it. Because it's if it's somebody that thinks that program is going to give them, give them the results, but they don't understand how much work is inside that program, and they are kind of maybe... Um, not on their diet all the time, back, not on their sleep, all these things, they're going to crash and burn. It's it's just not going to work. And so their results are always better when they get these BS little programs that just keep them active because the higher active they are, the more calories they burn every single day that they go in there. And that's their little infatuation with what's going on on the scale. You know, so somebody who can really follow a program is somebody who can also understand that a diet and a lifestyle goes around the program and that this program is built over time. And so that's why I think somebody should always give like three to four months at something. Got to let it, got to let it marinate. You got to, nothing good's going to happen in like a few weeks. No, you got to trust it. Trust the process. Yeah. Be patient. I mean, the best things that'll happen in a few weeks are like you understanding something better, like technique development or something. And then what happens the next 14 weeks? Like you're better every week because you really honed in. That's when, I mean, that's what you had me do when I hurt my ankle at first. And I was like, okay, I want to work on a pull-up program. You were like, well, let's spend the first couple weeks like really honing in on your form. So don't focus so much on reps and sets. Yeah. Let's mix it in with the other things you're doing. If that's what you want to focus on these first couple of weeks, you're going to work on form. You're going to try different grips. You're going to, but really, really, really think 100% about what's my form like. So really, really good coaches do that. Another thing that's cool is a lot of people know like Louis Simmons from Westside Barbell, mm-hmm. and especially like when we follow these things in the Instagram world now, we just, we see Louie a lot of times. It's like maybe teaching exercise where it's like, um, how do I say this? It's like, just keep going, keep going, put more weight on the bar, keep going until you fail. And that mentality gets out there, but the context people don't understand if you went and had coffee with Louie, he's a scientist, he's a freak. And what that, that means is like posture and position 
technique, like you do this fucking exercise the best you can and keep stacking weight on it because we're going to be jacked and strong. But that's like, we do shit right. And we do it so right that we hammer it at a world-class level. And if you can't hack that, then get out. And those are the type of people that will do all the other stuff to make sure that they can hammer what they're hammering there. So it's the 90% you know, of the stuff you, you don't see that they've spent oh, all that man, time working on. hundred percent. Uh, so talking about programs, we, we've mentioned like the five, three, one program yeah. before on the podcast. Um, this is a common program that I see recommended a lot. Um, sort of a periodization type program that is designed for strength training. Mm -hmm. um, probably a, yeah. And so one of the things that you've mentioned before about that is that you can like alter the program for more volume. So when you take like a, a program like that, I guess just give us your kind of thoughts on that and how you may alter a program. Well, the beautiful thing about Windler's five, three, one program is that he actually, so uh, it is, you're five week, then the next week's your three week in the basic when there's so many variations of this, but you got your five week, which is certain percentages increases your three week. And then you've got the third week, which is your five rep set, your third three rep set and your one rep set. Then you hit a deload week and you repeat and every cycle you add a tiny bit of weight to the bar. And over the course of a year or two years, you know, but the beautiful thing about it is the percentages that you use off of this program are based off of 90% of your actual max and sometimes recommended in his books, 85%. So now we're taking ego out of this shit. Okay. So if you bench press a hundred pounds, your max is actually 90. So when we work off of sub maximal loads, we ensure that we can confidently hammer the weights every single day. Now that is like the most important key in this is if somebody was really looking at just stacking 54 Brins press sessions in a year and you made every single one quality and good and slowly progressed over that year, it doesn't take a super scientist strength coach to realize like that good shit's going to happen. If we get too far to jump too forward and bounce too far back, get a little nicked up and we start messing up that timeline of just being greedy. It slows things down. So I love how he takes a submaximal approach to that. So with that being said, you can easily intuitively take a submaximal approach yourself. So like what I like to do is I don't actually use percentages and a, a program I just made recently. I'll just talk about that. We wanted a little bit more volume. Now, some ways that 531 adds volume are like first set last. Um, then they have their like max rep set and they have a, a bunch of different things. But what I find is that's just too many sets for most people under the bar. So that's just too much added time. And for the majority of people that um, not that it doesn't have value, but when people are doing also like being jujitsu athletes and things like that. If I can get the most out of three sets versus six sets, then there we go. So we changed the reps from five, three, one to eight, four or eight, six, four. So we just increased the reps up a little bit. Now, intuitively to make it submaximal, we just set some parameters, like some, some perceived parameters. Okay. So on his eights, 
I want him to always feel like he's got two to three reps left in the tank. On his six, same thing. On his two week, or on his four week, the same thing. Then we'll switch those exercises to something very close, just a slight variable, and we'll run eight, six, four again. Now we're nine weeks starting in. We're going to run that first cycle again once more with eight, six, four. But now we have definitive good numbers that we know we hit. So we know we can even add weight. That's progressive adaptation right there anyways. But we're also confident that we're going to be able to nail these weights because we weren't too crazy on the first cycle. So um, you can kind of change your loads in that five, three, one structure. But the the most important thing is that always make sure you have like two to three reps left in the tank. You know, if it's your five set and that five feels like you might have gotten six with some form change, then you're being a little too hard. That's a good point because a lot of people, you, you see a lot of recommendations online um, yeah. and we don't have to go into those, but a lot of those, especially for people that are like newer, they, there's a lot of recommendations based on a linear progression. That's yeah. like, you're almost every single week maxing out and adding weight every single week, maxing out, add weight, max out. And like, that has a very short lifespan for how long you can do that. If you're new to weightlifting, you probably can pull that off for a while, but then you got to switch to something like this five, three, one that gives you one. You're not necessarily doing your maximum every single time you're working out, but it gives you that, that deload and then work back up, work back, work back up yeah, and, and all that. But that point of this is supposed to be submaximal or it's like, it's like that for yeah. a reason. And so you got to think that like, if every time I'm going into the gym, every set I'm doing, that's the most I could do. Like you're gonna break down yeah. is the problem. And that's the beautiful thing about everything that Windler talks about. I, I love cause his whole brand and what he's always stood for is just like, look, I'm not going to impress anybody. This is the program. Follow the damn programs and run them. Do you get bored? <laughs> like you get bored? Like it's strength training. We right. all get bored, but we, we invest into this. Yeah. Like there's, it's, it's a code, you know, and if you really hate it, then go find something else similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it goes back to like what we just talked about, the patience of you're not going to find results in a month. It's, you got to give it a few to yeah. at least start, even just to start figuring out if you're going to have it. And this is the same thing where it's like, I mean, you got to think about this over the long term. Like this is a multi-year thing, not a multi-week thing. And so if you get injured because you're just, you're pushing yourself to your absolute limit every week, and now you got to take three weeks off. Well, how far back are, are, I mean, how much are you losing at that point? I mean, you've taken so many steps backward that if you would have instead had a little more patience, like you're going to get those maximal strength gains and, and hit more weight, but like yeah. do it six weeks down the line, not next week yeah. and take your time and it's, it's going to be okay. It's there. But if you get hurt, well, now you're going back even further than where you started. So, yeah. you know, there's a good reason to do that. Uh, another question here, this is sort of shifting gear because you were talking about how, you know, you got to have all the pieces around it earlier. It's not just the program that you have and following it and following it the right way, but you got to have the whole life in check. And one of those is the healthy diet. And you and I were talking, I think it was yesterday, sort of about some just nutrition ideas and, and some stuff. 
But what do you think is one of like maybe the most important component of a healthy diet? Because there's a lot of different things you can look at, like making sure my macros are in check. That's something that people want to look yeah. at. There's, I mean, there's just so many different things, but what, what do you think is a, an, an, a key component that people need to be thinking about? Well, I think there's a lot of things and there's not just one. So this isn't my final answer, but one thing I was thinking about recently with this question is I think when we get, we all look to the extreme as we're talking about. And when we look to the extreme and diet, it's like if, if I go carnivore, I just all of a sudden just start eating steak and steak and steak and steak. Okay. If I'm like cool with, with carbs and meat, then it's just like rice and meat, rice and meat, rice and meat or meat and potatoes basically. I think we have to get back to the micronutrients. If you look at all the different diets, they all abide by some key things that are all shared together. And I think we need to, to really get back to making sure that we have a healthy balance of foods that we know are providing the most amount of nutrients for us. So even if you are, if your routine is to get in tons of, of good, nutritious foods, and especially micronutrient dense foods, then you are winning. Because even if you go off the rails at night and go do stuff like you've done all the scientific things that could support and help you the most. But Stan Efferding's vertical diet, although that's kind of a cool little thing because I was telling you about it as he has a horizontal approach and a vertical approach to the diet. And the horizontal approach is your base of your pyramid. And it is the foods you eat every day. And no matter what, when you eat those, it's not like all these foods are going to require like be so many calories but it's just a small amount of certain things that are your micronutrients iodine zinc magnesium you know like these foods contain this this is what we hit all the time to make sure that we're giving our immune system our metabolism our body the most you know combative chance now where do the rest of our calories come into play well that's getting jacked performing well losing fat whatever that may be and that is the vertical portion. And that is just the, that's the, the meat and potatoes, the steak and rice, the, the meat and rice and or starches and stuff, um, which can be changed and, and played with so many things. But there you have a diet that really makes a great case of showing, hey, let's check this mi micronutrient box and get all of our, our antioxidants and polyphenols and all the things that we can get. And then let's just meat and potatoes, stack it up. So I would say if anybody's out there looking for the one thing, it's to, to start to really find the foods that give you the most. Look at the, uh, the things that, you know, you know, you need, you need zinc, you need magnesium, you need iodine, you need all those. So look that stuff up and start finding like, what do I need? What would help me the most? What kind of foods does that contain? The beautiful thing about this is it's going to be in the exact areas that we've told you to look in the grocery store all this time because it's going to be real food yeah fruits vegetables good quality meats yeah and decent carbs that aren't that's exactly know. what it's going to be <laughs> yeah so it goes back to that pillar all right this is a switching gears a little bit here I've, I, th there's a guy that's been pop become very popular mm -hmm. lately. I'd never heard of him until recently. 
And then I started getting like Instagram ads, but knees over toes guy. And I feel like your hackles come up a little bit when this comes up. I mean, so hit, hit me with it. Get what, what's, what's going on there. Let's first start with Ben Patrick himself. Outstanding dude. Nothing but mad respect of how much the dude's a workaholic and he's like put together a system and like he's cracked the code, but he's cracked the code. He's broken into this new world that we are, which is like Instagram and social media and content and content and content. And then everybody needing to share each other's content and boost each other up to help each other out on there. So what you see is tons and tons of strength coaches and everybody bringing him on and building up their podcasts and building up their brands and stuff, doing this stuff. And none of it is bad. It's all good. We just need to know that that is what is happening. The thing that drives me crazy with the knees over toes stuff is what I love about him is he breaks it back down to the very first step. You roll before you crawl, you crawl before you walk. You know what I mean? Like he took it all the way back to the basic. His whole program is slow, very slow progression. You're going to be in these programs for long time like at the his knee ability zero like i believe that's the first one that's like three days a week and it's you know like your tib raises and a couple other things but it's like you got to earn this over time because adaptation takes time but what is it it's just basic level healthy knee adaptation or environment so every strength coach and every physical therapist and everybody out there, like we, we all should know this. That's kind of the way boggles my mind. It's like nobody reinvented a wheel here. Somebody just packaged it and put it together and is selling it to mainstream people. Awesome now. But like, where did we forget about this stuff? We should be doing this stuff. And quality training facilitates this stuff. Moving with intention. And that creative and the choices like we talked about earlier from A to B to C, that facilitates all this stuff. And what I mean by that is like now it's become popular. So I hear a lot of people talk about those like certain things like like the tib raise. Okay. Dude, we're just because we don't stand, lay on a wall or let's sit back on the wall and do that exact tib raise. Do you know how many exercises in that little 10 minute block that I always like to do at the start of class that I'm focusing in different positions on getting people to work those areas to get blood flow into those areas, the way we crawl, the way we dorsiflex and, you know, all these different things, the positions and the exercises when done with more intent do these things and we should be doing those exercises and all those prehab rehab and strength exercises anyways i mean we're talking split squats here we're talking nordic curls so now we're talking hamstring curls and stuff i mean one person did a great job of packaging and making this popular we as an industry should not act like it's anything new it should have been our education and we should understand that. And uh, that's where it's, it's kind of crazy. And then the part that, I, that gets me is I don't like watching 
new people to strength training or people that have a lot of room and growth to come in and start to follow this program. Not that it's bad. They follow in that program. Dude, that is you're winning. Like you're doing great. But what I like start to see also is like, I'm like, man, okay, we're going to start those Nordic curls. Like he shows in the video, just the slow progressions with the box over time, slowly working your way down. It's like, man, there's a whole world of movement and different exercises that we can get into to that are, that are so much more global value in this moment than just slowly continuing to work this same thing. Why can't I build this up with lots of different stuff rather than just sit here and eh, 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 slowly week by week. So, you know, I, I think people need to look deeper into it. I think it's a, a, a baseline level that puts you in the right things and gives you a system. And if you do that, all that is is saying, I've devote like I've devout like devoted my time and invested my mental and physical energy into following this system and doing it the best I can. That system puts your knee in a healthy environment. And when things are put in a healthy environment over time, great adaptation happens. It's everything we said. Patience. Yeah. Right? It comes back to Trust the process, be patient, yeah. don't expect instant results. But part of that is because adaptation takes time. And it is a wonderful program. It's an awesome program and I recommend it. But like, I also, I would love for people doing the program to come hang out because there are so many other like things that we can find. Like I, could, I would love to be able to teach you and show you where you can find some of those things that you're putting so much focus in, in so much more through movement. And uh, it would just open your eyes to a lot more. It's fantastic. Coach, we've run out of time. I yeah. appreciate you answering all these questions. Um, man, we love answering questions mm -hmm. right here on the podcast. So a lot of good lessons there. I really do feel like that underlying theme there is about patience and in, in a variety of aspects and playing the long game. Maybe that's the, not necessarily patience, but you got to play the long game on, on all these things. So uh, keep that in mind. Coach, how can they find you? On Instagram, Green Strength IV, and uh, website is greenstrengthhq.com. Fantastic. Check them out, go follow them, send them your messages, send them your questions. Uh, we always love to answer those right here on the podcast. So keep coming back every week on the Green Strength Podcast. We're going to be having question and answer sessions kind of like this today. Uh, we're working on some some other guests we're going to be trying to get in and, and a lot of new things coming down the pipeline. So stick with us. We appreciate you listening to us every week right here on the Green Strength Podcast. And we will see you next week. <laughs>